0: Welcome back, ASM High School. We are in our series called Galatians Set Free, Live Free. And today we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. So if you don't have a copy of God's Word, go grab it, bring it back. Turn to Galatians chapter three, we're gonna be in the first 14 verses. You know, as we start today, I started thinking about my kids. And with my kids, I love watching movies. But here's the thing when you have two younger kids, and maybe you know this because you have some younger siblings, you will watch the same movie over and over and over. Get where I'm going with this? And over again okay? You'll watch it so many times. And a while back, a couple of years ago, my daughter was on a Little Mermaid kick. That's right. The Little Mermaid. Now, if you don't know this movie, you might want to fast forward. There's going to be some spoiler alerts, all right? But here's Ariel, this young half- human half-fish person who, she just has some dreams in life. She's got some things she wants. She wants legs, and she wants love. Is that too much to ask for for a young mutant? I don't know what she is, right? She's a mermaid. Uh, but she happens to meet this prince, and he's a human, and his name is Eric. Now, she falls madly in love with Prince Eric. And it seems to be going well until there's this scene where you see Eric, is, he's on this boat where there's a wedding happening and he's walking down the aisle or, or, and, and he's walking with this other woman. And you're thinking, wait a minute, what, what happened? I thought this was, this was Ariel's movie. But if you've seen that moment, you know what's happening. It's the sea witch Ursula in disguise. And why is Eric willing to marry her? Well, it's because he has been bewitched. He's been tricked into going after something that was simply a shadow of the true love which he really hoped for. And as we look at our passage today, we need to know the Galatians have been bewitched. They've been tricked. They've been sold a false bill of goods. And Paul says as much in Galatians 3 verse 1. They are more than just confused. They've been tricked, deceived. The wool has been pulled over their eyes. They have been bewitched. And so can we. And so let's open our Bibles and look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. Paul starts, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So Abraham, we'll come to him later because maybe you're not familiar with who he is, believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness or right standing with God. Understand then that those who have faith are called children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, non-Jewish people, likely you and me, by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse as it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one relies on the law who relies on the law is justified before God because We're going to stop there and keep I'm going to go back to verse 11. Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith on the contrary it says the person who does these things will live by them. By contrast Those who don't live by them, but are trying to, and that's your hope, you will die by them. But verse 13 says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. Other translations say tree, it's alluding to the cross. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Guys, here's our big idea, is that faith sets us free from a standard we could not possibly keep. And Paul in this passage comes in strong. Who has bewitched you? He calls them fools. Earlier in the letter, he says, my dear brothers and sisters, here's the gospel. Let me explain to you what Jesus has done for you. Let me remind you of what you were called to. Now he starts, my dear idiots, what is wrong with you? Listen to what I'm telling you. Who has tricked you? Who's bewitched you? Who has you believing that you can grow in Christ apart from how you were saved in Christ? If this is how you began as a Christian, what makes you think that this new way that has been brought to you, which is really an old way, is how you will grow as a Christian? Paul says Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. In the Greek, this actually carries this connotation, this this deeper meaning of, of something as as if you've actually seen it with your own eyes. It's been made so plain. Now, here's the problem. Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem, in Palestine. Anybody know where Galatia is? I'll give, you, I'll give it to you. It's modern-day Turkey. Palestine and Turkey, not geographically close. That means that Paul made it so clear, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, to them and what Jesus had done for them, that it was almost as though they had witnessed it themselves. That's how clearly it was portrayed. Paul is reminding the Galatians that they were changed by the gospel they were bewitched when they looked away from the good news to take good advice and we are very very much in danger of doing the same thing when we look away from the good news and pursue good advice we are bewitched and advice had not changed the galatians good news did and this brings me to the first thing here is that we are set free by good news not good advice. See, advice is something you're told to do. News is something that's done already. Advice is something you are offered to try. News is something that you either believe or you don't believe. Advice is something you're told to do in order to earn something at the end of it. News is something that's declared and you either receive it or you don't receive it. And here's the good news that Paul is reminding them of. The good news that saved them is the same good news that will carry them. We've broken the world that God gave us. God gave us this wonderful, beautiful world, and we as humanity broke it with our sin. But then he gave us his son, Jesus, both fully God and fully man, the perfect man, the archetype human, our perfect example who had never done anything wrong. He was kind and loving in a way that we should be toward one another. And he voluntarily surrendered his life for us and our brokenness. He unjustly was tried and then executed by crucifixion. And he didn't just surrender his life. We need to understand that what was happening at the cross is that the Father God is punishing him on our behalf for our sin so that the Father is treating Jesus as though he had done everything you and I have ever done. And in exchange, when we trust in the saving power of Jesus death, burial, and resurrection, the Father treats you and I as though we've done everything Jesus ever did. That is good news. And it's the only thing that's ever going to change us. It's the only real motivation for real change and Christ-likeness. And we receive good news, and then we allow it to change us. What the galatians have begun to do is instead of relying on jesus instead of relying on the spirit that he gave them they're trying by human effort to prove their righteousness so the next thing i want you to understand is this is that reliance on anything besides jesus is empty I mean, we act like the gospel is the doorway into the house of our spirituality, of our salvation. But then it's almost like we think we move into different rooms of the house into the deeper stuff. The problem is that the gospel is not simply the doorway to the house. The gospel is the whole house, and you never leave it. The things that the Galatians have moved on to is empty, Actually, it's worse than empty. Paul calls it a curse. What curse? It's a death sentence. He explains through the passage that we just read that the law was never, ever what saved. It was a curse that leads to death because if you don't keep every piece of it all the time, always, never failing, the Bible tells us that if you're guilty of breaking one portion of the law, you're guilty of breaking it all. You're a sinner and you deserve punishment, something you cannot ever repay on your own. Simply being good or following a set of rules is empty. It won't save you. And we often create our own set of standards, our own spiritual checklist. I mean, if I asked any number of you watching this video and said, hey, what do you think are the rules you have to live by in order to have a righteous life? I would probably get lots of different answers. The reality is there are no right answers other than to follow the one who saved you. When we create our own set of standards, if I were to put a camera, a little GoPro harness on your chest and just follow you around for a month and say, okay, give me the list of things that will help me know that if you live this way, you're a good, righteous person. And it's your list, you get to come up with it. The reality is, if we go to roll film the day after game day or game month, and, and we start watching it back, I guarantee as we start checking against your list, you, we start going, oh, right there, you should have said this, oh, man, mm. when you did that, like, remember your list, you probably should have done this or spoken this way to that person or, 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 or done th- so-and-so. And, and, the reality is you wouldn't even be able to live up to your own standards. You'd fail at that too, and so would I. This is why we don't need advice. We need good news. We don't need a guru, a life coach, a motivational speaker. You and everyone you know and everyone you've ever come in contact with, they need a savior, a rescuer, someone to bring you to life, spiritual life. And the Galatians have forgotten this. They're bewitched. And lots of people in the church are trying to be a Christian. And here's what I mean by that. If I ask people, are you a Christian? How are you doing at being a Christian? Here's what we hear a lot of the time. Wow, I'm trying. I'm trying to be a Christian. There's a great theologian uh, by the name of Yoda. That's right, The Empire Strikes Back, arguably maybe one of the best sequels of all time. Uh, Another spoiler alert, if you haven't seen The Empire Strikes Back, I'm sorry. Uh, Luke Skywalker is on this planet called Dagobah, right? And he is there with Yoda, this great Jedi master, and he's learning to be a Jedi. And he's learning to kind of harness the force or feel the force flow through him. And, And as he's doing it, he keeps failing. And here's what Yoda tells him, do or do not, there is no try. I was gonna do a Yoda voice, but I would have done terrible. Do or do not, there is no try. Yoda gets it, y'all. Yoda gets it. It's not about trying, it is about allowing. Allowing your following of Jesus to change you because you're walking in step with him and watching him for the example, rather than creating a list of things, I gotta try, I gotta do these things, but allowing the spirit that God left you with your acceptance of Jesus to begin to change you and do a work in you, not because you have human effort, but because you just are simply following Jesus. There is no try. For Luke Skywalker, it was about allowing the force to flow through him for us it's about allowing the spirit to work through us and when we take advice over news we're just trying to change we aren't allowing him to continue the good work he began in us and we act out of when we act out of reliance on the spirit we receive faith in Jesus the role of the spirit is actually i'm going to give this to you for free the role of the holy spirit we often what is it is to make the gospel truth real in your life. It's to make the gospel truth real in your life. It's it's giving the ability to love as Jesus did, allowing us to follow his example because we've been set free from the never-ending list of rules and regulations that have been set up by human hands. And what rules have you set up in your own life? Likely you're not following the Old Testament law. You're probably not an Old Testament scholar. Neither is your youth pastor, by the way. And when we look at the checklist and not the person of Jesus as an example, you will fail. By the way, and this one's free, when people failed in front of Jesus, he had compassion and mercy. So we need to be careful as we write our own list of rules and regulations that we're careful how we judge because as we write our own list, we become pretty judgmental people. And you can be right in the wrong way. People rarely need someone to tell them how much they screwed up, but they do need someone to show them Jesus level mercy. Our last point here is this, faith in what was done has always been the plan faith in what was done has always been the plan. Now, I'm going to say something crazy. Did you know that we have evidence of a Christian before Jesus was ever born and walked the earth? It's actually here in our passage, by the way. Back to verse 5. Here's what it says, Abraham believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. What does righteousness mean? What do we need? We need to be declared right before God, to be in right standing with God. And Abraham was around thousands of years before Jesus walked the earth. Not before Jesus. Jesus has always been. But before Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham was around thousands of years, or hundreds of years, excuse me, before the law came into existence. So he's definitely not saved by the law. Paul clearly articulates that. He has no concept of the law, only a concept of the promise of God. What was the promise? It was deliverance for humanity would come through his family. We see this actually in Genesis 12:3, 3, 18, 18, and twenty-two, eighteen. 18. By the way, when Abraham got this promise, he was childless. Abraham's faith was in the coming Jesus. Yours is in the Jesus who came. Abraham was saved by faith in the coming Jesus. See, no one who relies on a set of rules will be saved. That road leads to disappointment. It leads to death. And Abraham was not perfect. He didn't actually need to be. He needed to have faith. I mean, read Genesis. Read Genesis, guys. Abraham was messed up, y'all. Super messed up, okay? Dude straight up pimped out his wife twice to avoid having to sacrifice his own skin. Abraham needed what you and I need. He needed a savior and he trusted in the one who was to come. See, when we keep our eyes on the good news and we forego the simple good advice, we can be saved and changed. Because when we rely on good advice and we take our eyes off the good news, we fail every time. The good news is that we can be set free. The good advice will try to convince you that you need to do things that you can, that you can do and help in the process and maybe even replace the process but we are changed when we step, keep in step with Jesus, who saw where you were and said, follow me. I mean, I want you to think about where you were when he found you. Jesus didn't say to me when he found me, hey man, you know, you got a, you got a cussing problem. I'm gonna need you to figure that out. Hey man, you know, you seem really interested in chasing girls. We're gonna need to work on that. Hey, you know, you, you seem to have a problem with lying and stretching the truth, that's, that's unacceptable. See, when Jesus found me in high school, Jesus said, I love you where you are, now follow me. And he did that with the disciples. He invites us to do the same thing. The disciples are just doing their life, just trying to get it right, following the law. But he found the Galatians in the same spot, just living life, doing life. And he invites us to be loved by him and to follow, and by definition, following means we cannot remain where we once were. Change comes as a result of following not as a result of trying to keep the rules. Following the rules will change very little because it is motivated by pride and selfishness. Following the rules and setting us, ourselves up to compare ourselves against the list of rules that we'll never be able to keep, when we start to keep any of them, we start to get a little prideful. We start to compare others against how well we're doing. The problem is they're not the comparison. The comparison is the archetype human of Jesus Christ. And when we match ourselves against him, we pale. And we need him to take our spot. We need a savior, not a list of rules. It's not that good advice is bad. It's that good advice just doesn't save you. And it's not what motivates us to be changed. Falling in love with Jesus changes you because it's motivated by love. Falling in love with Jesus changes you because you begin to get up from where you are, from where he found you, and take the invitation that is, follow me. And as you follow and you begin to mimic him, it changes you. Again, our big idea is faith sets us free from a standard we cannot possibly keep. From a standard we could not possibly keep. As you think through this, and maybe you talk through uh, this, this message with a, with a family member, a sibling, uh, whatever. Or maybe it's just in your own mind. I want you to ask yourself the question we always ask here at ASM. Why does any of this matter? Because again, faith sets us free from a standard we could not possibly keep. Thanks for, so much for being with us, and we'll see you next week.